What is happening, everybody? Anthony Sanfilippos here. I'm Bob Waggle. Welcome into a brand new episode of Crossed Up. And Anthony, always like to do a little self-scouting. And after we recorded yesterday's episode, I, I said to you, man, they have an opportunity to close this thing out. And I had zero energy. I had I didn't bring it. There was no enthusiasm. There was no angst. It was just kind of like, I don't like the start time. What do you think they're going to do tonight? If they don't win, what do you think happens in game seven? We'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs> I just didn't have it yesterday. And admittedly, I'm a little under the weather here, but I, I'm going to power through this game seven episode of Crossed Up because everything is at stake tonight. And uh should be a little bit of anxiety flowing here right now. No? There's nothing like good anxiety, though, Bob. Right. I mean, seriously, and one of the things that I, I really thought that was good to hear last night, because they they were bad last night. They, they were bad at the plate. Nola didn't, Nola didn't have a good start. And it was just it was just not a good night at all. And, and credit the Diamondbacks. You know, they got the took the crowd out of it pretty quick. Um, it was just a, just not a good game. And afterwards. You know, I, I kind of thought that, you know, you try and get a sense, right? You've been been, around, been at this game for a long time. And you, you when you talk to people or talk to players and, and coaches and things, you can sometimes get a sense that the pressure, they feel the pressure when you're having a conversation with them. And at no point last night did I get the, the that feel. So that was the one, if you're looking for a positive, you want you want to start this off on a, on a positive note as you're heading into game seven tonight, if you're looking for something like that, I, I don't get the sense that this team is like, oh shit, we're in trouble. I get the sense that this team is like, this is us. This is what we do. And we're going to be just fine. So, you know, it's it, look, my prediction has been way off on this series. I had the Phillies winning this thing in five and now they're in a game seven, you know, for fighting for their lives and do or die. I, I still get the sense that they have the right attitude about it. And that's if you're looking for a positive right off the bat, I think that, that that's one that should be brought up. Yeah, I think what's unfortunate when you look at this now, and, and I I don't get the sense that, that the majority of the fan base is like, oh, no, it's over. They've blown it. They're not going to win. I still think that there's a general sense of optimism that they can come back and get this done. But you are now putting this to chance. There's yeah. a, a sense of randomness about baseball. Anything can happen in one game. And the, the fact of the matter is, is that when you sized up this series and you got ahead 2-0, this should have been over in five games. And and it's not. And it's it's not only was it not over in five, it wasn't over in six. And you're leaving a lot up to chance now. And it is disappointing that they are in this spot. And it will be a massive disappointment if they don't win tonight, and I would just say big, big picture and high level, let me just pose this question to you because they get into the postseason last year. They go on this great run. They lose to the Astros, but there was still an overwhelming sense of joy and optimism and sort of like a, a positivity moving forward about what they might do this year. I don't think that that loss really in any way, shape or form impacted the fans feelings about the team. And they got up to the slow start this year, but then they sort of had their footing down the stretch and they've made this, this run and everyone loves this team. You talked about it. If this team goes on to win the, uh, win the world series, they might be the most beloved team in the, the city's history. And I think I agree with that. They lose tonight. I wonder what that does to the love affair. And I know that they could come back next year and, and win 95 games and be back in the playoffs and everybody will be all amped up for Red October. And I'm not saying that it's like it becomes a Sixers type of situation. But if we're being real, this is going to be viewed as a massive choke job. Whether or not that's fair, this is going to be viewed as an overwhelming disappointment and a straight-up choke job if they don't get this done tonight with two shots at home to beat a team that you are better than, clearly better than. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you on that, Bob. I, I don't think that that is is an overstatement by any stretch of the imagination. And I do agree that it it wouldn't kill the relationship <laughs> with, with the fan base if they lose tonight, um, but it would be it would be bitter. This would be a yeah. bitter, bitter defeat. 
Um, and you know, you know, I remember at the beginning of the of the playoffs, you asked me how far they needed to go in order for the season to be considered an, a success, and and I said to you, I said, well, look, it, they have to win the wild card, and they can't get crushed by the Braves. If they go right. into that Brave series and they lose a close series and whatever, okay, then we look at it and say, you know, yeah, we're disappointed, but it's not a bad year. I think that you blow a series against the Arizona Diamondbacks where you had two chances at home to win it, to go to the World Series. That changes the calculus a little bit on that. Yeah. And I, I and I think it then becomes a a failure of a season because you had because we no longer will look at it as oh, they got they beat the Braves. That was pretty awesome. But that we looked at it as we'll look at it as they blew the best opportunity, maybe the best opportunity they'll have to win a championship as a group collectively, yeah. Because they couldn't beat the stinking Diamondbacks. Yeah, and it, it certainly opens the door to a lot of different questions. Um, and, and not only is it that could they not beat the Diamondbacks, it's that they couldn't beat the Diamondbacks after having a 2-0 series lead, after leading in the yeah. seventh inning of game three, after having a multi-run lead in the eighth inning of game four, and then also having an opportunity to win one of the two final games at home. I mean, contextually, that is a disaster, the way that yeah. this thing played out, if you don't win. so um, but if you But if you do win... Sure. All everything you just said is completely forgotten. Absolutely. Absolutely. In <laughs> fact, what you, you have in front of you tonight is the opportunity to create a moment, you know, yeah. a, a multiple moments. We we think about these these past two seasons and all of the different uh big plays and, and big swings and big pitches, and you might get the biggest of them all tonight. I mean, this this is season defining without question. And you're going to have an opportunity to have a hero made forever tonight if you can if you can find a way. Whether that's Ranger Suarez doing what he always seems to do in the playoffs, whether that's you know name pick a player in this lineup getting that big hit, uh, but they need it. And you know I think that there's a lot of reasons to still feel good about what is in front of them tonight. But before we get to that, I do want to kind of work back through through what we saw last night. And I, I have some, some takeaways. Some of them I think are sort of uh, subjective. And then some of them are just, Hey, this is, these are the numbers and this is what we see. And so you look at Aaron Nola's start last night, you know, if, if you listen to the show for the last five years that uh, I've been on the, the side of, Hey, Aaron Nola is a good pitcher, but you know, I think we got to question, question him sometimes. And, I have to say, like, last night, you get into this spot, he comes out, and he's so good in the first inning, and then he just gets, I guess he kind of got ambushed in a way in the second inning. He gives up the back-to-back -back home runs, and he gives up a third run after that. It's, I, like, I can't walk away from last night's game and say, wow, Aaron Nola let down the Phillies. I mean, I, like, to some degree, he did. He wasn't good. He goes four and a third innings and gives up four runs. It's not good enough in that spot. But I, I have a hard time killing him after what I saw in his first three postseason outings. Like he went 18 and two-thirds innings and allowed two earned runs through three postseason starts. He wasn't great last night, but I will also say that between the first, second, third, and fourth innings, it, you know, it's three-nothing or three, three-nothing becomes three-one. Like he rebounds after the second with two clean frames and like gives the offense an opportunity to get themselves back into the game a little bit. And they just never did. So, like, when I look at this game last night, I say, yeah, Aaron Nola was not great, and it will be terribly disappointing if that's the last time we ever see him in a Phillies uniform, which is very possible. Uh, that being said, I thought this game was very much on the offense. And you go back to the start, one for seven with runners in scoring position through three innings. I thought the Alec Bohm at bat in the first inning was an absolute disaster. You know, 1-1 one, one count, he swings at a slider outside of the strike zone, then takes a called third strike on a fastball. It's just another spot with Alec Bohm in a, in a big situation where he has not come through this postseason. Uh, in the second inning, um, you had Trey Turner uh, leave two on, a uh, bad, bad strikeout, three pitches all outside the zone. Just some really poor at-bats in big spots early last night. And then after that, you had Merrill Kelly with an increasing pitch count because they had worked them early and a slew of Diamondbacks relievers that you go like none of these guys are special and the Phillies couldn't do a damn thing against them. Uh, poor approaches, over swinging, 
they didn't even have a runner in scoring position the final six innings of the game. I mean, what the hell is that, Anthony? Yeah, no, it was it was reminiscent of game three. Um, but the difference is, is I thought Brandon Fought actually pitched a good game against the Phillies, and I felt like more so last night, the Phillies just were were just bad at the plate. Um let me quickly address Nola. Uh, I, I agree with you. you you're not going to sit there and pin the loss on him last night. Um, the two home runs, the first one was a, just a terrible curveball. I mean, it just didn't, it just was a hanger. Um, the second one, the home run by uh, Guriel, um, was a fastball in. Rob Thompson said after the game that they wanted it up and they didn't get it up. So it was kind of, it was down. Um, but it was in, and so you, I think you got to give him a little, give the batter a little bit of credit on that one. But then after that, the walk and a double, like that's the stuff that drove people crazy about Nola. I think it was the two at bats after the two solo home runs, because all right, it's two nothing, fine. But then you walk a guy, and then you give up a double to freaking Evan Longoria, right? <laughs> who's who's older than you, Bob? Right, I believe, and. Uh, you know, that's I think that's where you're saying the inning is getting away from him. He's got to shut it down. Look, home runs happen. It's OK, but you got to stop it. And that's where he didn't. So but then he did. He did to to his credit, come back out through a good third, through a good fourth. And then, you know, the, then he gives up the triple and then he's got to come out of the game. And I, I kind of don't pin. I sort of don't pin what happened in the fifth inning on him. And, you know, I, I'm not a big blame the manager guy. I I Players play, you know, occasionally there's a decision or two that's made that you, you kind of, you do second guess. And in real time, you know, we're talking last night at the game and you were surprised that they let Nola face Corbin Carroll in the fifth inning with one out. And I said, well, you know, you look at what he did in the third and fourth innings, he had started to kind of gain some momentum. They obviously wanted to conserve the bullpen trailing. They, they don't want to burn through all their high leverage guys. I get all that. But then Carroll works a deep at bat, works, I think, probably seven or eight pitches. It ends on a single up the middle, pretty hard hit ball. And given what, what Marte has done in this series, having Nola go to him for a third time, I thought was a mistake. And yeah. I thought it was a mistake in real time, as I know you did too. And I just don't feel like in that situation, in a 3-1 game, that you play so passively. They've been, they've been so aggressive with their bullpen throughout the postseason, I know Nola has been great. He had been pitching well uh, into that inning, but I just it just felt like a mistake in real time, and it burned him immediately. Yeah, and so the, the interesting thing here is, Bob, and, and you know, we should probably point, it, point this out because it certainly wasn't pointed out on the broadcast. If you think you're getting anything of value on that broadcast, you're out of your mind. But um, <laughs> that TBS broadcast is terrible. They actually had – so I, I don't know what they were doing in the bullpen because they had Michael Lorenzen get up um, in the second inning and the third inning, okay? So he had gotten up twice. He got up in the second inning. Nola gets out of the inning. He sits back down. In the third inning, they have him start throwing again, but Nola had a good third inning. It was kind of a quick inning, right? Okay, he sits back down again. Fourth inning, they don't have anybody up. Um, it's except for towards the end of the inning, Matt Strom starts to get loose. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, so they're not gonna let Nola go back through the top of the order again. As the fifth inning is starting, Strom is really like he's now throwing hard in the bullpen. And I'm like, you you're gotta be going to Strom. Well, who else are you bringing Strom in for? But the the you got Perdomo's a switch hitter batting ninth. You got, and you would rather him bat right handed. You have Corbin Carroll's a lefty, and then you have uh, Cattell Marte, who's much better left handed than right handed. So you want to turn him around to the right side. So I'm looking at it where they're at in the lineup, and I'm thinking to myself, they got to be bringing Strom in for that, right? But then he leaves Nola in to face all three batters. At which point, now after Carroll's single, You've sat Strom. They sit Strom back down, and it's like, oh shit, we better get Lorenzen back up. So now they get Lorenzen up a third time, and meanwhile he's not ready. So, so Nola's got to face Cattell Marte. I think it was a mismanagement of when the bullpen pitchers were ready, 
And they'll not say that. They'll not come out and tell you that we screwed that up, right? But, I mean, if you're paying attention to what's going on in the bullpen and when guys are up and when they're down, it none of it made sense. And I think that they misgot, mis, mismanaged how they were getting their pitchers ready in that moment. And I think that that's, that cost the Phillies the fourth run of the game. There's really not much else to be said about the game beyond that, beyond that moment, because once that that fourth run scores and the Phillies didn't threaten again the rest of the night. So it didn't really matter what they did with their in terms of who they brought into the game or what they did from a strategic standpoint. There was there's nothing to really discuss. The Phillies were simply just beaten at that point. Um, that being said, I do want to talk about. The Phillies using Craig Kimbrell last night and using uh, Orion Kirkering last night. I was willing to concede after maybe one rough Kirkering appearance that, hey, listen, that's the sport. Things happen. You know, I don't think that this is necessarily um, a signal that he's not ready for the moment or that this is too much for him. After I've seen it three times in the series now, I would I would say pretty clearly he's not ready for this. Um and that's it's not really an attack on him, but it, what it does do is it draws back to a larger question. And I think a criticism that you're going to hear quite a bit if things do go sideways tonight, you know, the fact that they've had to consistently go to Kimbrell and Kirkering in the series despite poor results. You know, the Phillies made one big time in season in season pitching acquisition, and it was Michael Lorenzen. And the early returns were great. He had that good start against Miami his first time out. He threw the no hitter against the Nationals. Okay. And then he quickly became almost borderline unusable. Um, they don't view him as a medium to high leverage reliever. That's why he's only made two postseason appearances. You know, and so I think it does. It begs the question, like, did the Phillies do enough, you know, ahead of the trade deadline to really go all in and, and give themselves a, an opportunity to win it all? Now, if they win tonight and they win the World Series, you're going to say, well, yes, they did. And if they don't, I do think, yeah. you know, like I don't think this is a situation where the result should necessarily be indicative of, of the reality. And the, the reality to me is that they didn't do enough. And they might get away with it anyway, but it's, it, I can't, I can't overlook the fact that they made a, a free agent signing in Taiwan Walker, who we talked about the fact that if, if you don't use him, what does that say to him? Right? Like, yeah. what does that, like, they're going to have to use him for political reasons. Well, like they, they didn't, they're not like Taiwan Walker is not going to pitch for this team in the playoffs. Unless uh, he's he's the extra inning only guy. If you need a guy cuz there's cuz it's you don't have regular season extra inning rules with the with the ghost runners. So if you need multiple inning reliever and extra innings it's Taiwan Walker. That's the only thing that he's here for. I, I mean that's that's crazy. That's 4 years 72 million dollars for a guy that you cannot put on the mound in the playoffs. And then your in-season acquisition of Michael Lorenzen is a guy that you you went out of your way to avoid in game four. And you finally put him into the game last night because you thought that maybe Aaron Ola was only going to give you two innings. You had gotten him loose three times and you figured out, well, what the hell? Let's just let's just do this. Yeah. You know? I, mean, that, him, I mean, he did give him a good inning. He, and, yeah. And to yeah. his credit, he was very good. In fact, if the Phillies would have come back to, to threaten or even win the game, you would have pointed to the fifth inning where he gets the two outs with Marte on third, yep. strands him, and then comes back and gives you a, a clean, I, I guess, what, a sixth as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he yeah. did a nice job. But the fact that they don't have the confidence to even really go to him in meaningful situations, well, you know, I mean, I think you do have to kind of look at it and say, all right, well, that's what Rob Thompson has to work with. Like, everyone wants to bitch and complain about going to Orion Kirkering or going to Craig Kimbrell. But who are you going to go to if not? You know, and, and as far as the Kimbrel thing goes, since we're, we're talking about this, I thought last night, you know, I said to you before, like maybe the fourth or fifth inning, if we see Craig Kimbrel tonight, we're not going to get the light show and welcome to the jungle <laughs> bullshit, are we? And, and they did. You know, and they did. And you had made a good point. You had said. If if uh, the player tells them not to do it, then yeah, then then you probably won't see it. But if you're like if you're working in the in stadium operations, what are you what are you going to do? What are you going to say? Like, well, screw Craig Kimbrell. We're not yeah. going to 
we're not going to do the thing that we've been doing for him. Like, what does that say to the, you're like almost showing up the player at that point. Right. 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 Uh, that being said, the fans did not love it. <laughs> they were not enthusiastic about that. And the hell uh, out of them. I'm actually a little surprised. Craig Kimball Kimbrell did not go to them and say like, let's in light of, in light of the fact that I've cost this team two games yeah. already in this, in this postseason, uh, maybe we won't do that in, in the seventh inning down four runs. Uh, or whatever it was, the eighth inning down four runs. I forget when he was even in the game. Um, th- that was pretty cringy stuff as far as I'm concerned. I actually tweeted that out, and I deleted – I have to say, I deleted my tweet that I'm surprised the Phillies did that. It was cringy. I don't take back that it was cringy, but I then thought to myself, who am I really being critical of here? Am I being critical of Craig Kimbrell, which I should be, or am I being – critical of the the in-stadium operations staff that that had nothing to really do here with this right so uh yeah i mean that was a a pretty awkward and and sort of brutal moment i i i I, I felt that it was important i think to get him an inning though yeah because if you get to the world series you get to the world series you're gonna need him I mean, who think about it, Bob? I could. I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to get ahead because we're got. There's a game seven that they have to win. But if we're going to take a second to look ahead, and you go to that World Series and you're looking, you're considering who you're putting on your roster and what who's going to be in what role in the bullpen. Is there another option? Are you suddenly bringing back Andrew Bellotti? Like, I mean, what are you doing? Like, I mean, you you're going to need Craig Kimbrell in the World Series in some capacity in some role. May not be the closer, but you're going to need him. So getting him an inning, and look, he wasn't a great inning. I mean, Johan Rojas makes a great catch to bail him out on the first batter, and he still walked the guy, but he did have two strikeouts. He got out of the inning, didn't give up a run. Okay, it was better, but I think it was a needed needed inning for him. You have Craig Kimbrell back in a Phillies jersey next season? No. (laughs) No, not at all. Not at all. Oh my god! What a, what a mess. Well, I want to talk a little bit about the crowd because the crowd has been so much a part of this postseason story. Just kind of interested in in getting your thoughts on on the crowd last night, and I, I have a couple thoughts. We talked about this at the start of the show yesterday, the five oh seven start time, and I wrote about this in in the newsletter this morning. It's a junior varsity start time. Like yeah, it is. you play JV basketball at 5.07 PM. You don't play game six of the national league championship at 5.07 television aside. Like it was lame. It felt lame. And there has been a noticeable difference. Mm-hmm. And this is what I was afraid of last night. There's been a noticeable difference between the crowds and the 5.07 start times and the 8.07 start times. And there's multiple factors for that. One, you're you're later getting over there, right? There were yep. a lot of people. If you looked at the, about 10 minutes before the game, 10 to 15 minutes. There was minutes a lot of empty game, seats. Yeah, I was like, oh man, like what is going on here? Now they they filled it up pretty much by the time first pitch rolled around. But you go back to when you have an eight o'clock start time, you look 30, 40 minutes out, and the place is pretty much packed at that point. Yeah. So so fans are a little later getting in. And then if we're being real about it. I do think that there's a tailgating and alcohol element to it yeah. Uh, where you just don't have the ability to go out there and have your three or four beers and get loose and get pumped up. And again, 45,000 people are down there. How many of them have alcohol in their system? I don't know, maybe 15,000 of them. You know, I, like, I don't even know what the right number is. There's a lot it, of kids it, out there, right? It's like, irrelevant. It's irrelevant. The fact that yeah, the fact of the matter is, is that you want to start a game at five o'clock. It better be on a Saturday or a Sunday. Yeah, you're just asking people to to kill a workday, rearrange things, get yeah, down there. It's bad. A lot it's of people really are probably bad. giving tickets away because they can't utilize them. So I, I don't know. I just thought that I thought that there was a little bit of an edge missing at the start of the game. Now I will say this: the Phillies have done a really good job of giving the fans something to feed off. You know, throughout this postseason. It was the first time yesterday that they had a multi-run deficit at home. It was, I think, the second time all postseason. Yeah, they've had a multi-run deficit. You know, six and zero at home during the playoffs. You know, and and even when they fell behind in those two games to the Braves, one nothing, they quickly they quickly bounced back, almost immediately erased those deficits. So yesterday they they get down early and i thought the fans actually in the in the moment sort of fed off like they were okay like they i don't want to say they fed off but they they didn't like 
they didn't ball off. Like they stayed loud, they stayed supportive. They get it to three one, they're back in it, like everything's rolling. But then the final, I guess the the, the top of the fifth was sort of it for the fans. Like yeah, the, you know they get the Diamondbacks the uh, the fourth run or fifth run, yeah, the fourth run. And at that point, like it really just to me felt like a sold out game at the end of late July at yeah. that point, because what are they, you can't get up for a moment when you're down four or you don't even have a runner on second base. Like, where do you make your impact? You can't just sit there and expect them to be loud and crazy for three hours consecutively when they haven't seen anything positive for long stretches of time. So I don't blame the crowd for what we saw last night, but that crowd in general was not what we've been accustomed to seeing throughout this month. Yeah, no, you're you're right. And and the relationship between a crowd and the team has to be symbiotic, right? I mean, there's got to everybody's got to do their part. And, you know, it's it's important for the fans. Like I give them I'll tell you one point when I gave them credit, you know, Nola gives up the two home runs back to back and they all started cheering like really loud, like let's go. Like we get, we still mm-hmm. got you. We're still here. Right. So that so, you know, they did have a couple of those moments where they tried to pick the team up. But you're right. If the team doesn't give you anything, it's hard for a fan base to just suddenly say we're going to still scream and yell and be, you know, at our at our peak, um, you know, frenzy for this team. If they're not giving us anything to be frenetic about. And and that was really kind of what it what it became last night. So there was it was a dud on the field and the, it was a dud in the stands. And yeah. I know the guys on on Crossing Broad, you know, Kevin and, and Kyle, like were ripping the fans for leaving early, um, like walking out, I guess, after the eighth, bottom of the eighth. Yeah, last, that was, that was lame, point. though. I, I don't blame the fans for like the lack of energy that that yeah. we saw last night. I, leaving a playoff game down four runs, though, it was eight o'clock. Like. Yeah, I get the time. That's where the that's where I have the problem with it. It was that it was early in the night. If it was if it was eleven o'clock at night, you can kind of sit there and go, "All right, you got kids down here. It's a school night. Get it, get out, get ahead of the traffic, and go home." Okay, fine, whatever. I still wouldn't do it. I told you a story before that all happened last night about you know yeah. being six years old at the World Series and and my dad and my uncle leaving in the bottom of the eighth of Game Six, nineteen eighty. Uh, and listening to the Phillies winning the championship on the radio on the ride home, like how I, I was scarred for life as a kid for with that. <laughs> um, and, and and so, like, I, you know, I, yeah, there are times you shouldn't leave. And if the Phillies would have mounted some sort of epic comeback, could you imagine what those people would have, how yeah. they would have felt? But, and that would have been on them. It certainly would have been well, on them. Well, listen, if, if the the crowd has been part of the story. It's been a national story. They've been heavily featured in the highlights and all the talking points and on TBS. And so if you want to be part of the story, when things are going well, you're going to be part of the story when things aren't going well. And yeah. so when you're all those thousands of people that were climbing up the steps, guess what? That's going to go on TV and all the people on Twitter are going to rip you apart and call you frauds and call you fakes and phonies. And is that fair? Of course it's not fair, but that's what happens. And, yep. you know, there were a lot of people around the country last night that don't like Philadelphia that had a good laugh over that. Yeah. No, you're right. You're, um, you're, you're a thousand percent correct. That being said, the fans did not play the game. They haven't played any of these games. It's just a little side story to the whole thing. So now you turn the page and you look at tonight and we've talked about what's at stake and, and how this thing will be viewed moving forward if they should not win. You still have to like their chances to win the game. They have Ranger Suarez on the mound. Best postseason ERA in the history of Major League Baseball. Go figure. Um, I don't know. I, I expect Ranger Suarez to give them a good start tonight. What I don't know and what I am not sure about is if the Phillies will put together quality at bats and do enough to win this game. Um, you go back and you look at game three against Brandon Fault. Phillies collectively were two for 17 against him. With nine strikeouts, one runner reached second base in six innings. Now, after the game, Rob Thompson said we hadn't seen him before. A few of the players said we had not seen him before. He threw the ball well. Credit to him. There's been this confidence, though, that seeing him a second time a week later, less than a week later, it'll bring a different result. Well, they saw Merrill Kelly two times in less than a week, and they didn't really have any much of a better look at him that time. Yeah. Um, so I'm just kind of curious, like, what do you expect the Phillies to do against this kid tonight? 
I think that what needs to happen is they need to work him, Bob. I, I think that the Phillies got a little jumpy. Uh, I think they've been jumpy really the whole series, but they swung at 15 first pitches last night. That's a lot. I think yeah. that they only had, what, 34 at-bats or 35, whatever it was, 30 plate appearances, and 15 of them were first pitch swings. Let the let the pitcher throw pitches, man. If he throws a strike on you, if he's in the strike zone, and you want to, you know, be more aggressive later on, fine, okay. But up front, you're going to have a, a a rookie pitcher pitching in a game seven in an environment like we know it'll be better tonight, an eight with an eight o'clock start, right? We know the crowd will be better tonight. Like, make him pitch and and work him and force him to throw pitches that he doesn't want to throw. And put pitches in places he doesn't want to put them, and then you do the damage that you're that you're known for, or that you've you know uh, done the entire playoffs except for a couple of games here against Arizona. That's what you got to do. So the, the the approach at the plate has to be better, and, and then it was last night. Then it's been in the last few games, to be honest with you. Um, so that's what I that's what I expect, and that's I think that. But you know, Schwarber did say it last night. He said, you know, it's it was good information to be able to face the guy. And now have to get a chance to see him again so soon. Um, I don't think a guy like Kyle Schwarber says that unless he really believes it. Like Schwarber's not a you know a guy who's just going to say something just to say. He's he's pretty thoughtful. Um, and so when he's saying that, I, I think that they're confident that they ha- they've have some some uh, intel. Well, on, on Brandon fought. One thing that has become kind of clear, and certainly looking at last night's game, it was like, we're not going to let Kyle Schwarber beat us. We're not going to let Bryce Harper beat us in this game. And I would imagine they will employ a similar tactic tonight. And not to say that Schwarber or Harper might not get a chance. They might be forced into an opportunity where they have to pitch to them. But you need your right-handed hitters to get going. Now, I know that Alec Boehm had his two little slapdick singles later in the game. Once, once it didn't really matter. Would he hit him at a collective eighty-four miles an hour off the bat? Probably. And like, and where he's at right now, like I'll take that. He had two hits last night on a night where I think they had six hits total. Okay, so I'm not going to sit here and, and destroy Alec Boehm over that. But they they got to get him going. You like that, didn't you? Slapdick singles. Yeah. That's that's a that's the most backhanded compliment you could ever have. Yeah, man, yeah you like, got slap two slap dick singles, seventeen <laughs> hoppers out the right field. Um, but you know, like this to me, like you look at Nick Castellanos since game two, zero for sixteen with eight strikeouts. Yeah, he's like, been bad. He's been brutal, and I know that they're not in this spot without him. Like he he wins the Atlanta series for him essentially. So yeah. I'm not going to sit here and and you know get on Nick Castellanos too much. But like, come on, man, like. You, you cannot go hitless over five games and strike out eight times. You just can't do it. Like, you've got to figure it out tonight. Trey Turner, since game two, three yeah. for 17. Like, these are two of your best right-handed hitters, and they've given you a combined three for 33 over the last five games. So, yeah, like, if those two guys are going to swing the bat like that, and you have Alec Bohm going through whatever the hell he's going through, and it seems like in every big spot he can't figure it out, well, yeah, why would you go after Schwarber? Why would you challenge Harper? Like, the Phillies have to find a way. And, you know, and Bryson, and Bryson Stott probably shouldn't be totally exempt of criticism either. Like, he's had a couple big moments. He had a few, you know, he had a big hit the other night. Like, I I get it. Was not great last night. Like, they need some of these other guys to get going. This can't just be the Schwarber and Harper show tonight. So, that, to me, that's a really, really big part of this whole thing. No, you're. I think you're. You're right about that. I think those guys have to be better because we did see at the beginning of the game, and I'm not saying that Merrill Kelly was intentionally trying to to walk Schwarber and Harper, but he, they were pitching around those guys at the beginning. Once they're once you're ahead, once the Diamondbacks got ahead in the game, then of course they would they didn't mind challenging them a little bit um, and and forcing them to swing the bat because they also want to you don't want to put runners on base if you don't have to. But I think early when the game is tied in that you know first inning, they're being incredibly careful with those two guys, and and the reason they're being careful with them is because they feel like they can get the other guys in the lineup out. They feel like Schwarber and Harper are the two guys that they have to figure out, and then let you know if somebody else beats you, somebody else beats you. But that's that's the way that they want it to be. So it's more important for those players to have a game, have their best game. 
It's important for Trey Turner to be the Trey Turner he was up until game two. It's important for Nick Castellanos to go back to being the Nick, Nick Castellanos from the Atlanta series. Mm. It's important for Alec Bohm to finally do more than just get slap dick singles, <laughs> for lack of a better term. <laughs> or right? is, there, is there a better term? I don't think <laughs> actually. Um, so, and I agree. And I think Real Muto has to continue to do what he's been doing. Like he's been, oh, he's been decent. Uh, you know, if you're talking about right-handed hitters, I think he's been okay. Um, it, it, I get frustrated sometimes watching him swing at pitches that are way out of the strike zone because he's over-aggressive at times. But he, he can't knock the fact he had the big two-run homer in game five. He had a double yesterday. Like He's had some hits in this series. He's not been as as bad as the other guys. So you know, just keep doing what you're doing. And Brandon Marsh, I think, is a, is a guy that to me, Bob, is is so important right now he's hitting well but the reason he's more important is because rojas isn't going to get hits so basically johan ross is in the game because he's a very good defensive player and it's like having a pitcher bat right now so you you basically have taken the dh away at this point um and as a result of that you, you need brandon marsh to be a guy that's getting on base because if you're going to have Schwarber come up, you want somebody on base. Well, and that's that is what's kind of when you talk about Schwarber hitting leadoff and what's the argument yeah. against it. Like the argument against it is with Johan Rojas hitting ninth and giving you no offense. That most of the time, once the game starts rolling, you are in a spot where if if you're in a spot where you're likely able to kind of dance around him a little bit. Like you don't necessarily have to go with Kyle Schwarber, right? Because uh, you know, I mean, there's either going to be multiple outs already in the inning. Or the base is going to be open, or you just say, "Hey, we'll we'll take our shot here." So, um, I'm not calling for the benching of Johan Rojas by any stretch of the imagination. I still think that what he provides you defensively is is more than enough. Uh, but one thing I will say, and I asked you this last night, so you think he's the everyday center fielder next season? And I have not seen nearly enough no. to go into that into next season thinking, "Yeah, this is our guy for 150 games a season." Like that. He just doesn't hit enough. No, he does not. His his bat is certainly not ready. And I think one of two things is going to happen with Rojas. Either they're going to, you know, keep him in the organization, send him back down to the minor leagues, let him figure it out, get the bat going, you know, it, it, let it catch up to where it needs to be to be a consistent everyday player at the major league level, or he becomes trade bait because he had a really nice second half of the season as a rookie. Um so one of the two, one of those two things is going to happen in my mind. I do not think he starts the year as your center fielder next year. No. And, and I think here's another thing but with that though, Bob, for as far as focusing on game seven. So we, it was asked of, um, we didn't, I was about to say we asked, but we, that's the Royal we for the, for the media um, asked Rob Thompson after the game, if he would have thought about pinch hitting for Rojas in the seventh inning when you had Marsh on first, right? And um, there was a chance, you know, maybe kind of get back into this here, you know, get a little bit of something going. And he said no, because they had uh, Joe Mantiply warming up in the bullpen. So if if he goes to cave there in that spot, then they bring in Mantiply and then you got lefty on lefty, which is not a good matchup. And I said to you, if you're down in a game and it's late in a game like this, would you still be better served to force the hand of the of the um, opposing manager and say, "All right, here comes Jake Cave. Do you want your right-handed reliever against Jake Cave, or do you want to bring in Mantiply and then I'm going to bat for Cave mm-hmm. with Edmundo Sosa or Christian P- uh, Pache against the lefty? Mm-hmm. Like, force his hand, make him make a decision. Yeah. By not doing it, you're basically just saying." Your right-handed pitcher who doesn't throw hard and Rojas cannot hit breaking balls because that's what Ryan Thompson does not throw hard at all. And all he uses is junk and and Rojas can't touch it. You're basically giving him an automatic out. Like at least make the make make him make a decision. You know, what does he does he would he rather cave versus Thompson or bring in Mantiply and you get a right-hander who hits lefties coming off the bench? Yeah. Yeah. And he didn't make that move. And I, you know, and I know that the spot could have come up again in the ninth. Um, Cave was on deck when the last out was made. I get it. And but 
I think you're in the moment, runner on base. You have a chance to get at least within a run, if not two. I I, I think that you have to make a move there, and I, I and they didn't, and I thought that that was poorly managed by Rob there. Yeah, well, uh, as you said, uh, tonight is is what it's all about, and all of the things that have happened that have gone wrong to this point will not matter at all and will never be talked about if they can win. If they do not win, man, there are going to be a lot of questions, not about just what went wrong in the series and what could have been done differently, but also what happens moving forward. Because while we all get wrapped up in the moment, we all get wrapped up in this playoff run and potentially winning a championship, when the season ends, there are going to be a lot of questions for this Phillies team. Yeah. Many, many yeah. questions. And there are a lot of difficult ones, too. Um, win or lose. Is, win yeah. or lose. Win the World Series or lose lose tonight, lose the World Series. Whatever the case whatever the case may be, right? It's, it's, it's going to be – there are a lot of difficult questions. So you're, you're spot on with that. Uh, do you have a uh, one last thing? I do. But before we get to one last thing, I just wanted to kind of – because this is what's in my story that, you know, by the time this is um, – by the time out. this is out, you'll it'll is on crossing broad. Um, we don't have a great history with game sevens in Philadelphia. <laughs> I, I so obviously well, there's no know, to be fair, most of them have been played by the Sixers, which is what well, a... six the Sixers have played 18 and they're six and twelve. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Flyers have played 17 and they're nine and eight. And this is the first one ever for the Phillies. Obviously, there's no game sevens in football, um, but it's it's really been a while since Philadelphia has won a game seven at home. The the so the last the last game seven we had was Sixers Hawks. That's the Ben Simmons passes the ball under the basket game, right? And they lose that game to Atlanta. That's the last time we actually had a game seven in Phil in Philadelphia. There have been game sevens on the road, but that's the last one that was here in the city. The last one that they won, and, and technically is the last one before that, you have to go back to 2003 mm. for a flyer series against Toronto, and they won six to one. And then the only other ones this this uh century. <laughs> Were the Sixers, the two of them in, in game sevens uh, in 2001, the year they went to the final with Iverson, um, beating to, uh, Toronto um, in the semifinal, conference semifinal, and then beating Milwaukee in the conference final. The only other times that we've had in this time. So, like, we really don't have a great history of game sevens and what it's like in this city. So the fans got the fans got to bring it a little bit. In my mind, they gotta have, they gotta make Game Seven, Game Seven. Because look, there's something really cool about Game Sevens. As someone who's been at several of them, most of them on the road, it's 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 there's there's nothing really like it. It's a it's a game where the, you know, everything gets ramped up, Bob, and it gets ramped up even more in a baseball game because it's going to be every pitch you're hanging on every little thing because it changes the dynamics so much if it's a ball if it's a strike if you're ahead of the hitter behind the hitter you know should we steal this base oh my god it's game seven if you screw this up this could be the mistake biggest mistake but if it works it would be the greatest thing ever like i mean everything is magnified to a new level and to me that's what that's what's going to make tonight Either really special or really disappointing, and it, and everybody's going to have to bring their their A game. And you know, like I said, players were talking about last night. I did talk to Zach Wheeler. I asked him. I said, you know, I know it's normal bullpen day. What are your What are you usually throwing in a bullpen? How many pitches? Mm-hmm. He said it depends. He said, but it could be fifteen. And then he looked at me directly and he goes, or it could be forty. And I think that what he was saying there is if they need me for 40 pitches, mm-hmm. I'm available for 40 pitches. Mm-hmm. So that could be like two innings, right, out of Zach Wheeler, which is something we didn't even just bring up. But that's part going to be – I think that's going to be part of the plan. Yeah, I, I would not be surprised to see him tonight if so long as the Phillies are, A, winning the game or, B, in the game. Uh, what you cannot have happen tonight is what you saw in Game 7 of the ALCS last night, which is the Rangers coming out and immediately just blowing the doors off the Astros. I mean, yeah. and if that – you cannot – you can't have what you had happen last night either in Philadelphia, which is 2 nothing, 3 nothing in the second inning. Like the Phillies, 
really need to punch first in this game tonight. They they yeah. really do. I believe that. So yeah. uh, I I, think well, people... I guess I guess the question on Wheeler though that I wanted to ask you was, are you using him as to close the game if you're in that situation, or if it's close in like the sixth inning, you bring him in for an inning, two innings there, you know, because it's the top of their lineup. Probably like, there. Probably there. Yeah. Yeah. I probably Wheeler's the guy I probably want to use in the middle innings, and then. I know that there's really no great answer on the, okay, then, so who closes? But taking a starting pitcher and having him try to close out a ninth inning of a one- or two-run game, um, just I, I don't love that in theory. I know you don't, but the only thing, the only reason I think that it could happen, again, it depends on where they're at in the lineup, but the Diamondbacks have a slew of right-handers in the middle of their lineup. Mm-hmm. They, don't, they, they bat – they're, they only have two lefties that they even really use in the lineup, and that's Corbin Carroll, who usually leads off, um, and uh, and uh, Alec Thomas, who usually bats seventh against the right-handers. Well, although it'll be different against starting against Suarez, they'll they'll probably switch that around a little bit. But either way, you're you're looking at a bunch of righties in the middle of this lineup. Yeah. So I think if you're if you're at that point where you're going, you know, Moreno, Walker, Fam, you know that group. In the ninth inning, you might look and go, I'd rather Zach Wheeler than anyone else. I mean, Jeff Hoffman's the other option, probably for back there, for that grouping, for that selection of hitters. But I I really think that's what it's going to come down to. I think it's going to come down to where they're at in the Diamondbacks lineup and when it makes the most sense to have Wheeler come in. I'm with you. Uh, I, I believe I don't need to go out on a limb by saying that you believe the Phillies will win this game tonight. I, I do. I remain confident. It's not what I expected completely. I, I, you know, I look at game sevens and I say the better team wins. And last night was an example. You know, we thought coming into this uh, playoffs that the, the, the Astros were getting tired, right? That they were wearing down. They were getting to a point. And like there was something wrong with them. They went 39 and 42 at home in the regular season. Couldn't win at home in the playoffs. It's like, this is not a, this is not a, a this is a thing. This is not an anomaly. There's right. something not right with this team. And the Rangers took advantage of it. Took them seven games, but they took advantage of it. So the Rangers are the better team. Um, and, and I think that that's what, what you saw in a game seven last night. I think the better team wins in a game seven. So I'm going to, especially with one with the World Series on the line, I'm sticking with the Phillies. Give me a score. Five three. Okay, I have six three. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's. I mean, look, you got to you got to rely on the bats. The bats have to come through. Yeah. If the bats do what they did last night, forget it. You're going home. And that's mm-hmm. all there is to it. Um, I do have one last thing though, Bob, and it, it ties into last night a little bit. Uh, not for the Phillies, but for the other game game, American League. You know, Dusty Baker got his his first World Series championship last year. Um, everybody was a big story in baseball. It was everybody was happy for him. You know, very well liked guy, well respected manager who's had success, but just had never won. You know, he's getting older now. He's what seventy two, I think. Um, and uh, you know, they lose last night. Was that it for Dusty? I think so. Um, in fact, I believe I read a, a tweet earlier that he had told some people that he's probably done. Because um, there they asked him in the in the press conference, and he didn't give a he didn't give an answer one way or the other, which usually tells you that it's the other. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. So take this for whatever it's worth. But uh, talking baseball. Uh, yeah. They, they tweeted out, uh, Dusty Baker has told multiple people that he is going to retire now per The Athletic. Um, so, I, I don't well, know. Wait, who who does talk in baseball? That's a John Boy media. Like, not John not Boy, the, right? Like, yeah. Not that they're an authoritative source, yeah. but um, they're also not just like making up shit either. So. No, they're not. They're not. That's 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 fine. That's fine. Yeah. Um, I, I was one. I was, you know, if, it'd be interesting if Flipping Bats put that out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because I mean, Ver- Ben Verlander, right? I mean, it's his brother, right? I mean, so you know, you might get you know, tells multiple people, right? You know, okay, there you go. Yeah. Um, that so that would kind of give. Yeah, I. 
and I think that's a disappointing thing because he's you know he's a great guy and and, and I, I'm not a fan of what Houston is. I'm I kind of revel in the fact that they that they're not going to be there a little bit. You know, as much as I thought it would be fun for the Phillies to be the team that beat them. Um, I, no I, home field advantage now, so things yeah. are against the Phillies here in the last 24 hours a little yeah, bit. They've a little got to bit. play game seven. No home field advantage. No fun storyline about revenge. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's been what no World Series rematches. I believe I hear the other day in 45 years, yeah, like 77, 78. That. Yeah. So now it's just going to be an opening day rematch of the Phillies versus the Rangers. <laughs> yeah. If, if it happens, if the that Phillies happens. win tonight, the season will finish where it started. Well, God bless you, Major League <laughs> Baseball, because if the Arizona Diamondbacks win this game tonight, nobody nope. on earth aside from like Ken Rosenthal and Jeff Passan will give a fuck. So. Uh, there's a lot at stake tonight too, I think for major league baseball and some television networks and advertisers out there as well. There, they are. I'm, I was, I was hinting to you about it last night. I said, it, you know, if Texas wins this holds on and wins this game tonight, and it was early at that point, it was before it was a blowout. Um, I said to you, I said, uh, the, the major league baseball might put the fix in tomorrow night to get the Phillies yeah. into the world series. Cause if it's uh, Diamondbacks I, Rangers, no one is watching. So I always say, like uh, during during this time of year, once the Phillies go out, it's it's I call it Netflix season or like docu thirty for thirty season because Tuesdays and Wednesdays, there's I'm not watching this. So like I'm not watching Diamondbacks Rangers. I'm not going to do it. I can't do it. It's been a long season. I'm tired. You're tired. Like I know that you love the sport. I love the sport too. I don't love it enough to do. Phillies get bounced in a game seven, and then turn around and watch this team play the Texas Rangers. I, can't do it. No, there's no, there's no, there's no juice to that World series yeah. at all, at all. So yeah. Philly's better. All right. <laughs> well, for Anthony Sanfilippo, I'm Bob Wankel. We'll be back one way or the other tomorrow. That that should be interesting. Yes. Uh, you can follow Anthony on Twitter at Philly. You can follow me at Bob underscore Wankel. Follow the show account at Phillies. Make sure you're checking us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, anywhere that you get your shows. And we will talk to you tomorrow. You forgot to do it again. Uh, and RedOctoberPhilly.com newsletter. <laughs> Every day, every day, except for yesterday, because I was dying and curled up in a ball for two hours and <laughs> fell asleep. Uh, but we're back. We're back. We're healthy. It's already out. The, the newsletter's already out today. So that's great. All That's right. good work. We'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>